Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Catherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent crazy world, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Catherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this vitally important question. How do we help our kids to understand biblical sexuality? Yep. Yep. We are finally going there, mamas and papas. How can we not? This show is devoted to tackling tough topics in our world. And you can barely go into a public restroom these days or or turn on the television or your kids definitely can't go to school without being confronted with the question of sexuality. Who defines it? Our politicians, our media, our educators, our feelings, or God. So we are going to dig into what God has to say about our sexuality in this episode and the next. Yeah, Mm -hmm. next week we'll discuss how to talk to your kids about biblical sexuality. Then we will have another two-part series on what our culture says about sexuality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a four-parter, mamas and papas, because this topic is so big, and I may have some help digging into it. Keep listening to find out. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, so let's get started. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Alrighty, mamas and papas, I told you in the last episode that I was going to be branching out to do interviews very soon. And here I am doing an interview. What can I say? I aim to please. Mm -hmm. I have our very first guest ever on CPCW, and she is the perfect guest. Erin Berry is an author a speaker, a counselor, and an educational consultant. She has a bachelor's degree in education, a master's degree in counseling. She works professionally as both a counselor and consultant, and she is working on her doctorate in counseling where she is specializing in the field 
of sexuality. You can see why Aaron is the perfect guest to talk with us about both biblical and cultural sexuality. In addition to all that, Erin is the mother of three, a grandmother of one. She is the wife of one, Mr. Brett Berry. And together, they are founders of the Home Educated Mind, a Christ-centered community dedicated to providing materials and support for Christian parents. And she is also a very good friend. Erin, welcome to the program. Thank you, Catherine. It's wonderful to be here. Yes. I'm excited. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited to have my first guest. Erin is going (laughs) to be joining us for both parts of this series because this topic is all up in her expertise. And, you know, I just have to brag a little bit more about you, Erin. Not only are you so knowledgeable about the topics that we are discussing in these episodes, you have so much compassion for people who are struggling in this area, you know, especially, especially young people, you truly have a mother's heart, not only for your own children, but everybody's children. And you have a mama's heart for this next generation. So I am so glad you're here. Thank you. I think uh, you get a medal or a plaque for my first (laughs) guest. Um, I pray that you're the first of many. And I think my upcoming guests will probably (laughs) uh, breathe a sigh of relief that you took on this topic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You took one for the team there, Erin. So before we dive into the topic, why don't we, why don't you share with us, why is sexuality so important for us to discuss as Christian parents and why are parents the best teachers for their kids on this topic? Yeah, well, obviously it's everywhere right now. You, like you said, you can't leave your home without coming across something. Yes. So uh, we have to talk about it. But I even think in God's design, I mean, he's made us body, soul, and spirit. So part of our design is our sexuality. We were created male and female. So it's an intricate part of who we are and who God says we are. And then as far as parents are concerned, there have been a lot of recent surveys that support this. We know it anyway, biblically, but We as parents have the strongest influence in our children's lives, particularly about their religious beliefs or their understanding of God and even for themselves. I mean, we're their first teachers, whether we send them to school or not, we are the ones that walk them through their entire life. And then there was this recent survey, and I'm trying to remember the details specifically, but it showed that parents, it went mothers, fathers, and grandparents. And I think the mothers were like 81% and the fathers were like 79% of influence. And then grandparents, and it went down the way to, you know, pastors, church programs, etc. And if I can just say, I think God in his wisdom knew that the family's the safest place. Mm-hmm. The family's a place where you're seen, right? You've got the small little world. You've got you and your children. So each child is seen and understood because especially a topic like this, it's very personal. Mm. And it, in a larger setting, we certainly want that input, but it's not the safety to be vulnerable. And a family, a family allows that. So God has given that authority to parents. It was his, and then he gave it to parents. Mm -hmm. And it really is the most powerful way and the safest and 
the best. Oh, that is so awesome. I love how you talk about we are the primary influence there. And I think sometimes as parents, when our kids are little, we see that so clearly. When they get up into those teen years, sometimes we think we're, we're, you know, we're not it anymore, right? They're not listening, but that's not true, is it? Even in the teenage years and young adult years, they're still listening. We're still a huge influence in their lives, aren't we? Well, and sometimes the tools that we use to influence are different because the way that we develop our thinking skills and the way we process material and the way that we make things our own changes. So as they grow, we have a little bit of a different strategy might be the word, or, um, you know, we use questions as they get older and so on, but no, absolutely always. And it's not even just what we say to them. It's who we are. They watch our lives and our prayers. And let me tell you, there is nothing like a praying parent. There is nothing. You're speaking like my it. language. We've talked about that on this show. We've talked about all of this and just uh, that prayerful influence. And just uh, I actually, I changed my tagline at one point. It used to be that this was a show about raising godly kids. And then I realized what um, we can't, we have no control over that. We don't. All we can control is ourselves. So I changed it to being a godly parent because we are that influence in their lives, even when it looks like they're running in the opposite direction, they're still, we're that one constant that they can keep coming back to and they will. And there is nothing, nothing more powerful (laughs) than a praying parent. I've got quite a few episodes I've done on that prior. So let's, let's go ahead and dig into this topic and we'll, we'll wrap up the show. By the way, Aaron's going to give us some great guidelines on how to talk to our kids about biblical sexuality in part two of understanding biblical sexuality, which is the next episode. But let's start where we always should start in a discussion like this. Let's define our terms. What all yeah. does sexuality encompass? Are we talking about the the act of sex and the biblical stipulations around that? Are we talking about the biological sex? We are according to our DNA and our anatomy. And as Christians, we would say God's design. Or are we you know, talking about what our culture now defines as gender or all of those things? Yeah. So I think sort of all of those things, some of them were aligning to scripture, right? The thing I love about the Bible is that it sets the standard and then we bring, we put everything through it or up to it. What does it say? Okay. How do we align this? But it is all of the above. It is the act. It is who we are. It is. Yeah. I think all of the above. And I think biblical sexuality is what is God's standards. And it's not what we think or feel. And that's the hard part. It's what he says. And we align ourselves with what he says, because he's created us. He knows what it's intended to be and how we benefit the most. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's our plumb line. We got to keep coming back to that now. And, you know, obviously a lot of people don't and people will we'll get to talking a lot more about this in the next episode as well. Our culture says that that's an oppressive view, but, uh, and we'll get to that moms and dads. We will, but let's go ahead and establish what the Bible 
actually says. So we know what that that center line is, what his ideal is. So we don't get very far into the biblical account. Uh, I think it's right up in Genesis first chapter before this topic of sexuality is addressed, right? Right. I love that. And I love the fact that right in the beginning, right in Genesis, right in creation, we get in the beginning, you know, God creates heavens and earth, all the pieces, and then he creates them male and female. And uh, the scripture I picked, I mean, Genesis 127 is what most people go to, you know, so it's, you know, so God created mankind in his own image, the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So right in the beginning, we see that God's created them, male and female. And what I love about that is we're created in God's image, but God's image is not just reflected in the man or not just reflected in the woman. Amen. God's image mm-hmm. is reflected in man and woman. Yes. Together, they reflect the fullness of who he is. And then he has them team mm-hmm. through marriage. They and you know, goes from there, but he establishes male and female. Absolutely. Right, right up front. It's right there. And, you know, our culture right now, obviously, is distinguishing between our sex and our gender. And again, we will discuss that more fully in future episodes. But do you see any place in scripture where God does that? No. Mm -mm. And actually, I wanted to add to something. It's a new term. It's a new distinction. It's very new. And that's why it's not, it's not in the scripture. And honestly, we haven't had it as people. It was always, uh, in the past gender referred to language. You know, it was, uh, you conjugate a verb, you have a declension, let's say in a language like Latin, French, whatever they have it. So you had, it was a part of language, feminine, masculine, neuter. Right. And It was actually in the 40s. They started to use it a little bit with the women um, in uh, feminism just to talk about femininity versus masculinity. Then Dr. John Money brought it out in about 1955. It started to trickle down into academia and other places about 1970. But it only became popular in the popular vernacular in 2010. Really? So I say that because I feel like this is so important. The children now, you know, if even if you're 25, right? 2010 versus 25, what were you? I don't know. Uh, do my math. Let's say you're 22. That's easier. So say you're 10 in 2010 and you're 22 now. In your adult life, you've had this, these terms. That's all you've known. But in the past, all of history, there wasn't that distinction. Hmm. That is, that is fascinating. You know, I hadn't made that linguistic connection, you know, that that's where the term originated. And I mean, when you look at 2010, that's a blink of an eye historically. It's like, it's like nothing. And yet it's changed everything about the way we operate and the way we think about ourselves. That's, that's utterly fascinating. I I had not really considered the, I mean, I obviously I know having studied languages and, you know, my kids are in Latin right now, that it is a, 
a linguistic term, but how that has jumped off the page. <laughs> for exactly. Us. Well said. Uh, and changed everything. So, so let's go back, you know, again, we'll talk about where our culture is in future episodes, but what does the Bible then say about, I know this is a, a linguistic term and one that is somewhat evitted, but do we see anything in the Bible about our gender? Is there anything in the New Testament uh, as well that would, would separate our sex and gender and make them, you know, separate from one another? So I don't think so. Do you, Catherine? No, I don't really I don't see, see anything. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, we talk about gender roles. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's some difference there, maybe of things that we do according to the different genders. Obviously women are, well, and and men too, obviously, but like our genetic makeup influences things we do. I have children. My husband doesn't in terms of birthing, right? right. A birthing um, and person affects- though is what we call that now, <laughs> isn't it? Right. Um, and our psyche, it affects our psyche the hormones, et cetera. But as far as the gender distinction, no. Right. And that gender role thing, well, I I like the way Jackie Hill Perry put it. It, it, She wrote a really, uh, I'm in the middle of this book right now, uh, Gay Hmm. Girl, Good God. She wrote, in her history, she came out, she was a lesbian and met the Lord and is, you know, not operating in that lifestyle right now. But this was something she said. She said, quote, God made them male and female, two words not crafted by a person, a group or society or culture or America for that matter, but used by God to describe what he'd made and exactly what he'd designed them to be. So, you know, that goes back to the language you were talking about that, that, you know, this is how he designed us. And I love that you brought about, uh, brought up gender roles because that's a big topic. And that's one that I have been uh, very passionate about. I've written a lot about women, uh, women in the church, women in history. And I understand, I understand the frustration that women have experienced over, you know, I've studied feminism for a long time. That's the first book I really want to write is on that topic, women in ministry. But when we look at scripture, scripture just gets a bad rap on this one. And it mm-hmm. is not merited because if you really look at ancient literature and what was going on in that time, and of course, women and other, you know, minority groups have been oppressed throughout history. There's no question about sure. it. But and I've talked about this before. The prophets were the great liberators. Okay, they were the ones Mm, that were coming out and talking about the vulnerable and the oppressed. But when I look in scripture and I see Miriam was one third of the original leadership team in ancient Israel. Okay, one third. Uh, Micah four uh, six verse four says, "I brought you up out of Egypt." He's talking to his people and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you. Also, Aaron. And Miriam, one third of the leadership team. Okay, that is practically unheard of at that time in history. Then we got Deborah being a prophet and a judge, not for like some insignificant amount of time, 40 years. Okay, 40 years, look in the judges. Then you got Huldah, who the high priest in the nation, when they found the book of the law, was asked, was it, I should have written this down. I think it was Josiah, Hmm. uh, which uh, one of the kings, he, he said, okay, go inquire of the Lord. The high priest was like, okay, uh, he goes to Huldah. 
Hulda is the, the, the ear of the nation. And she hears what the Lord wants to say. And then in the mm-hmm. New Testament, same thing. We got Anna who's prophesying over Jesus. We got the women at the tomb, Priscilla, Chloe. Okay, I've got to do a whole other podcast yeah. on this topic. But in terms, I, I would just say, I understand mm-hmm. the frustration of women throughout history. And these gender roles are not put on by scripture. If you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, she was an entrepreneur. She had her own field. She was, she had her own employees and, you know, yeah, there've been times in history where women weren't allowed to do that, but that's not because of scripture. (laughs) Those were cultural impositions that were put on them. And I, I, I see the liberation of women in scripture. Is that what you see? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, Jesus was the great liberator. Jesus saw the value of women. But what I think, too, something to consider is we still sort of tie a lot of times cultural expectations on women and even to the other extreme, to the point that uh, motherhood is not honored (gasps) or that this, you know, that um, everybody has to be this great, powerful leader, I guess. And that's not the case either. It's like, who has God created you to be? What gifts and talents has he given you? And how do those gifts and talents serve those around you? And I think it's interesting in the whole gender discussion because roles come into play because people say, I don't feel like a woman. I don't feel like a man, or I feel like a woman. I feel like a man. But their perceived, their perceptions of what that means, rather than who has God created you to be? How does he want to use you in your time and space? Mm-hmm. And if we align ourselves with God, we find our most fulfillment living according to the way that he's created us or the things that he's given us. So I think that's another piece is that we keep pushing because one thing I struggle a little bit with is we push people to produce, mm-hmm. right? It's like you and go and do this and, and be a producer. And if you're a producer, that's great, but we're more than just product. We're more than just producing things. We're human beings and relationships matter and caring for others matters. So I think all of it can be Mm -hmm. skewed, but the full freedom, the full freedom is in Christ. That's where you find it. That's not what our culture, our culture is saying. We find it in our own identity and our feelings. But I love what you said about motherhood not being honored. If people ever go to my website, I had a a blog and a blogcast. It was called the Mere Mother blog. I'm actually going to be re-releasing those. I'm moving them to another host site. But you talked about motherhood not being honored. And that was one of the primary reasons I started writing was I didn't even want to be a mom. Because even though I was a Christian Mm. for so many years, I was raised in the church, went to a Christian undergrad. Christian graduate school, I didn't see, I I, I respected women who did that, but I just didn't think it would fulfill me because I was Mm. really affected by modern feminism's view and our cultural view on motherhood. It wasn't valued. And that to me, uh, you know, and I, I, it turns out I found so much fulfillment in motherhood. It's the most fulfilling thing. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about what we feel like is determining who we are. There's that song. I feel like a woman. And so you can, anybody who feels like that can be that these days, but certainly not what the scripture says. 
we need to get over into the topic of the physical act of sex. I think we ought to talk about that okay. for a little bit. What what does the Bible say sex is for? The the physical act. Well, right in Genesis, in that very first scripture, we see that procreation was a part of it. Mm-hmm. So we are supposed to, and if we don't, there are no more people. <laughs> That's true. That is how that works, isn't it? it? Do, it it is important. Right. And again, you know, the the two become one flesh. So it's talking about a mm-hmm. unity between husband and wife. And then I think I had one, a third thing I was thinking, I can't think right now, but oh, union, of course. <laughs> and pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Read Song like, of Solomon, okay. right? <laughs> exactly. And that's Bible. exactly that's exactly the scripture. So I had yeah. three. I had picked out. Genesis 128 for procreation, mm-hmm. fruitful and multiply. Song of Solomon. Yep. One verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Amen. For your love is more Preach delightful it. than wine. <laughs> Pleasure. And then I had uh, the union. Mm-hmm. The two shall become one flesh. And I love something that Hillary Morgan Ferrer says oh, in her, her book. Yeah. Mama Bear Apologetic Guide to Sexuality. She says about sex. sex. She says, sex is a sign of the covenant between a husband and wife, every time a married couple makes love, they are in bodily form repeating their marriage vows. God doesn't place limits on sex because he wants to downplay the goodness of sex. He places limits on it because sex has meaning, meaning our culture has lost. And I love that. I love that it is, you are you're becoming one. You are affirming that, yes, you're who I want to be completely joined to. You're the one that I want to be, um, that I love, that I want to express that love. And so it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Sex is so powerful, but we deny it. We act like, and you watch any television show or you listen to anybody talk and they're like, they they separate sex as just an act as if it means nothing and as it as if it doesn't affect you at all but god has created it so that chemically mm-hmm. we have a chemical release in sex that joins us together and so you can't maybe somebody can right i can't speak for everybody but 99.9% of the people in the world they don't have the power to not be affected by what God has created to unite and combine Mm -hmm. and and to bring together. Mm -hmm. We've cheapened it so much. We've made it so much less than what God intended it to be. And, you know, I love that you brought out the symbolic nature of what sex is too, because it it is, it is, it's so much more than what our cult, it's just been reduced to a mere physical act that you can do anywhere with anyone at any time. And it's, it's doesn't have the relevance that God intended for it to have. And people walk away and they don't understand why they're hurt because they believe, Oh, I just am supposed to gratify my body. Right. The body has needs. I just gratify it. Right. It doesn't affect who I am. And then they don't understand why they're hurting. And then the other piece that I appreciated mm-hmm. is that, she mentions it has meaning. Mm-hmm. And if you talk about development, they say, mm-hmm. whoever they are, uh, mm-hmm. in, in adolescence, you're figuring out your identity. Mm-hmm. In adulthood, 
you're finding meaning and purpose. And so I just find it fascinating that she points out the meaning there. And so here we are in a quest as adults trying to find meaning. Part of the meaning is in a monogamous marriage relationships, not for everybody. There's other ways to find meaning. That's not what I, you know, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. So we're seeking meaning, but the very ways that we get it, we're denying. Yeah, that is so true. That is so true. We look at sex as a right that we have in our culture. Yes. It's a, or a need. Yes. And and do we have physical urges and needs? Certainly. But God has parameters and regulations that he set around it, not to restrict us, yes. but to protect us. So what are, what do we see in scripture as being those regulations and you know, uh, parameters that God lovingly has set around sex in order to protect us? To find out the answer to that question and to hear some critical guidelines on talking to your kids about biblical sexuality, tune in next week. Yep, yep. Next week to hear the conclusion of this conversation on biblical sexuality with my good friend, Aaron Berry. In the interest of full disclosure, this was originally going to be just a two-part series, one on biblical sexuality and one on cultural sexuality, but there is just so much to say. So we're going to break it up a little bit because you guys are busy parents and we will go every week on this series, okay? Aaron, can you please tell us how we can find out more about your work and ministry? Sure. Our website is thehomeeducatedmind.com. And you can email me at support at thehomeeducatedmind.com. I cannot thank you enough, Erin, for being my very first guest on Christian Parent Crazy World. Erin will be our guest for the entire series on sexuality. Like I said, you know, I just I couldn't find anyone better to help us tackle this tough topic. You know, sometimes I tackle a topic that may only apply to some parents and some kids. Not this one. Mm -mm. No, we are all, well, you know, I was going to say knee deep in this topic, but I think we are neck deep in this one. We need some biblical answers. God has to be the one who defines who we are in this and every area of our lives if we are going to be christ followers. So keep tuning in to get some practical guidance about what the Bible says about our sexuality and then what our culture says about our sexuality and how to know the difference. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. 
Uh, and be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter, and two men leave, because... That's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.